welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor David concludes our series on the big three, faith, hope, and love, with a look at Paul's definition of love. Let's listen. Well, a couple weekends ago, I decided it was time to spend the weekend cleaning out the garage, which is not really how you want to spend your weekend, but it was time. I mean, things were put back, not where they went. Tools were kind of stacked on top of each other. It was going to, to need a deep reorganizing. So I'm in the middle of it, probably several hours into it, and I found something very surprising. Uh, so surprising, I took a picture of it. Uh, so here's what I found. It'll show you on the screen. Just this little package that said six important screws. Couple things to note here. I have no idea what those screws belong to. I have no conception of why they are important. And so I was very confused when looking at that. And then the second thing is that that's not my handwriting. I don't know whose handwriting that is. It doesn't look like my wife Sarah's either. And so I've got this mysterious package that says, hey, it's claiming to be six important screws, but I don't know why it's there in my garage or who gave it to me? So I opened it up, and well, sure enough, there are six screws inside, apparently very important screws. What would you do in that situation? I mean, do you just continue reorganizing, throw them away, and say, hey, you know, I've gotten by this long? Or do you put them back on your shelf, taking up space in hopes that someday you remember why they're so important? This is one of those situations that you really need more information. I did not have enough information to guide me towards an answer or a solution that I was confident in. So I don't know what you would have done, but I just, I threw those screws away, really hoping they're not important and that down the line, I don't regret that decision. Now, I share that with you because I know we've all had times where you have to make a decision, but you're thinking, I don't have enough information to be confident in the decision I'm making. It's not a very good feeling, is it? But today, we're, this is the last week that we're studying this concept of love, and that's not going to be a problem today, because we are studying what perhaps is the most famous passage in the Bible about love, 1 Corinthians 13, and we are given so much information, an overabundance of information about what love is and how to be a loving person. So much so that in our study today, there may be times where you're thinking, I'm a little overwhelmed. This is too much information. I don't know if I can do all of these things in trying to be a loving person. So I hope that that's not your experience today, but if it is, here's my hope for you. Just pick one or two things. One or two things where you say, okay, I'm going to read through this description of love and these one or two things are going to help me love better and deepen my own understanding of what love truly is. So don't try to do everything, but through these words, find one or two things that for you personally will help you be a more loving person. So this is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and we begin in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Paul says, 
If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, And give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love. I gain nothing. So what Paul is saying in these opening three verses in his description of love is that love must be the primary motivator of our lives. He says all of our actions must be guided by love. Our speech, our giving, Even faith itself must be guided by love. And Paul lists some pretty incredible accomplishments here. He says, can you imagine if you had the ability to fathom all mysteries in the world or to have all knowledge of the world, how incredible would that be? Or can you imagine if your faith was so strong that it could move mountains? Or if you were so generous that you could give everything you had to the poor, 100%. These are huge accomplishments, probably almost exaggerations to say, wow, can you even imagine someone who's like that? For then Paul to say, but all of that is worth nothing. It's down to zero if those things are not done in love. Love must be the primary motivator of our lives. So if Paul's saying that, then our natural next question is, what motivates us? You know, if we're really looking inward into our hearts, if we're being honest with ourselves, what motivates us? There's a couple different types of motivation when you really start thinking about this. Uh, One, probably the most common type, is external motivation. And external motivation is being motivated by something outside of yourself. So let's say that you're in a job and you are motivated to work hard in that job because you want that year-end bonus or you want a salary bump the next year. That salary bump is something external to yourself, right? It's outside of yourself and it motivates you to work hard. Or let's say you're a student and the teacher says, okay, whoever gets the best grade on this test is going to get this prize. That prize is an external motivation. You're going to study hard to try to earn that prize. So that's one type of motivation, right? And yet, I don't think love fits into that category. I don't think love is an external motivation. Because at its essence, I don't believe that love is simply outside of ourselves. There's another type of motivation too, though. It's called intrinsic motivation. And this is an internal desire for one's actions to align with one's values. So this would be you working hard at that job, not because you're trying to earn any year-end bonus, but because you have an internal value of being a hard worker. That's important to you. That's part of who you are. You're a hard worker, and so you want your actions to align with your values. 
that motivates you. You're self-motivated to make sure those things are in alignment. Or if you're a student, you're not necessarily studying hard because you want to earn that prize, or even because you want a good grade, but you're studying hard because one of your internal values is being a good learner, is education. And you want, internally, to be motivated to learn as much as you can. See, these are more intrinsic motivations, where we're not motivated by something outside of ourselves, but we're motivated by an internal value that we have. That's what I believe love is. I believe love is this internal value. Because God is love. And we are children of God, which means that we value being people of love. And that motivates us to have then our actions, the way that we operate in the world, align with those deeply held values inside of us. Yes, we are people of love. And so we are motivated then to do all things, every action, even the outlandish ones that Paul lists. We're motivated to do those things in love. This is how Paul begins the discussion. But then the the natural question is, okay, if, if we're supposed to do everything according to love, I mean, what truly is love? Love is uh, that type of word that there could be multiple definitions for. Uh, Different people might define love in different ways. And so in perhaps the most famous section of this letter, Paul goes on to list what he believes love is. Now again, it might be a bit much. You might read this list going, there's no way I can love like that. Pick one or two things that even this week you can develop in loving these ways. Here's how Paul says it. Paul says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. When I think about being a loving person, I often equate it with just being kind. I think, okay, if people think of me as a nice person, that's me being a loving person. But then I read Paul's definition, and I realize that Paul's definition is so much more expansive than just being a nice person. We would benefit from every day starting our morning simply by reading through these four verses and saying, today I'm going to seek to love like that. But for today, for now, perhaps we could just ask ourselves a simple question. Do the ways that we show love match with Paul's description of love? Is our love patient? Is our love easily angered? Does our love keep a record of wrongs? Is our love envious or jealous? Is our love truthful? Again, Paul's description here of love is a lofty description 
And none of us in this room live up completely to that lofty description. But every day, we can make the choice to try. Every day, we can make the choice to grow and develop a little bit in this description of love. If we were able to say today that we're more loving in the way Paul describes it than we were yesterday, well, then we are on the right path. So please don't look at this list and say, I can't love like that, so I'm just dismissing that from my mind. No, instead say, that's the ideal I want to live up to. And I'm going to take small steps every day to develop how I can love like that. So, we have this description of love. And we recognize that none of us are there yet. So where is Paul going to go next? Well, in this final section of this passage, Paul goes on to show what love's going to look like when it is fully revealed. Because in the world we live in right now, love is not fully revealed. No, not in our relationships as individuals, not in our world as a society. We don't love in this lofty way that Paul described. But as we look to the future, or what Paul calls a time of completeness, there will be a time when love is fully revealed to us. And here's how Paul describes that time. Paul says, But where there are prophecies, they will cease. But where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. For when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Three things last forever, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love helps us become who we were made to be. And what Paul is saying here is that we are all developing in our ability to be loving people. Yes, when we see love in our lives, it's a sign that we are becoming mature, more fully formed individuals in God. I really resonate how Paul talks about this development. You know, recognizing we're not there yet, but we're taking those steps every day to being this type of person of of love. Uh, Paul describes that by saying, hey, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. That's where the development starts as children. So for a second, I want you to think back to a time when you were a child, particularly in grade school. Pick a grade and try to remember how did you see the world when you were that age. Uh, Pick a teacher and try to remember what was it like to sit in that teacher's classroom What were you nervous for? Who were your best friends? Do you remember any of their names? 
or the games that you would play at recess? What would you look forward to at that age? I mean, particularly with Christmas just around the corner, can you put yourself into that body again and envision how you saw the world as a child? Because I'm sure it's very different from how you see the world today. I can tell you when I was a child, particularly when I was in kindergarten, my teacher could not understand any of the words that were coming out of my mouth. Uh, Apparently, my speech was not developed very well yet, and so only my mom could really understand what I was saying. Uh, I was sent to speech therapy uh, every day so I could work on being able to communicate in a way that other people could understand. That's when I was a child. Now, obviously, things are different today. I mean, I speak a lot for my job through preaching and Bible studies and pastoral counseling. What has changed? I'm not a child anymore, right? I've grown. I've developed. And that's the kind of development that Paul's talking about here. When I was a child, I talked like a child. He also says, and I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. Do you remember how horrible your reasoning skills were as a child? If you don't remember, just be a parent again. Because as a parent, my children will come to me uh, and try to then logically argue about something, and it's completely illogical. It's quite hilarious if you're not in the moment. You know, in retrospect, it's hilarious. There's a website where parents can write down the most illogical things their kids have said to them I wanted to share with you just a couple. They're so funny. Uh, One person said, Our daughter cried because she didn't get to go to her parents' wedding, which occurred seven years before she was born. Ah, so frustrating, right? Another person said, Our one-and-a-half-year-old son had a meltdown because I wouldn't let him pour his apple juice on the cat. What a mean parent to not allow that to happen. I, this one has a picture. Uh, let's, let's get the picture up there so you can see the child. He's lying on the ground in the middle of a busy airport. And what the dad said is my toddler lost it because the imaginary door on his imaginary fire truck wouldn't open and he was stuck inside. You can see that happening, can't you? He's just stuck in that imaginary fire truck right now, but you can't convince him otherwise. Not in that moment, no. The logic doesn't work in those moments. The first service at 9.30, those are the only three illustrations they got. But in between services, my wife texted me a picture, and she said, oh yeah, no, kids are not logical. Here's an example. I was like, oh, I need to include this one as well. So here's my daughter, Zoe. You can see she had a painting project, apparently, dropped the green and the black paint, And then she was just a step in it? I'm not really sure what's going on there, but I'm really hoping it's cleaned up by the time I get home. (laughs) Our reasoning skills are not developed as children, and that's okay, because we don't stay as children, do we? We grow, we develop. Or as Paul says, when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So he's talking about all the different ways we develop, but remember the context of this passage. The context is is love, and us as loving people. And what Paul is trying to say 
is that we need to continue developing as people of love every day of our lives. Just like children develop into adults, we continue to develop as people of God, which are people of love. We can't simply say, I, I'm, I'm good enough, right? I'm, I'm generally a loving person, or I'm pretty nice. No, we keep working on this every day of our lives, because to be people of love is one of the most important things that can be said about you. Why? Because love is eternal. I mean, when we think about love, God says that love lasts forever, which means that anytime you love or you receive love, you are getting a glimpse of eternity. Love is the great connector between this life and the next life. That's how important love is. Or as Paul simply says, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And love is the greatest of those things. And so I hope you're beginning to understand that love is not some shallow or abstract concept, but it is something that we engage in every day of our lives because God is love, and we are to be people of love. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.